Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe there's something that as you've been reading the Bible, you've had a question about or not understood and you'd like some help getting some clarity on that. We'd love to hear from you and help you with that. Or if you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you here on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. I want to say welcome to everybody who's tuning in today, wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, we know that so many of you listening up and down the front range of Colorado and southern Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. We're so glad you tuned in today. I also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast, uh, whether you're listening on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, or whether you're listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. We're so glad that you are with us today. Just a reminder for those of you listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. But we would love for you to call in, and then you get to go and listen to yourself. Uh, You can tune in a week later and listen to yourself on the air. But uh, just a reminder for those of you listening on the East Coast that you're hearing it on a one-week delay. I also want to say hi to everybody who is listening online, whether it's on the mobile app or on the website. You can always tune in on your browser. If you are at your computer, you can tune in your browser, gracefm.com, anytime. And uh, you can also download the mobile app, and you can listen on the go. Uh, And I know so many people do that. Last week, for example, we had a call from um, Santa Clara, California, you know, somebody who listens on the mobile app. So you can share that with friends. Maybe you got friends out of our listening area, but we uh, would love for you to share that with them as well and download that on your phone. Just search the Grace FM app on whatever app store you use for your mobile device, and you can listen wherever you're at over the internet. So a few words about myself. I am your host every Monday here on Calvary Live. Again, my name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont, Colorado that loves Jesus and loves to study the Bible and loves to worship God. And our church meets in downtown Longmont. If you're familiar with Longmont, then um, we meet right on the southeast corner of Kaufman and Longs Peak Avenue. So that's in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is right in the heart of downtown Longmont. So St. Vrain Memorial Building, 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And right now we are studying through Paul's letter to the Romans. So it's been a very exciting study. We have just finished our fourth study in Romans. We got up through the beginning of chapter 3. And uh, the whole focus of the beginning of Romans is all about how everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And nobody can get out of that. Like nobody can wiggle their way out of it. And he actually tries to think of people who might try to exempt themselves from it, from saying that they need the gospel in order to be saved. They need what Jesus did in order to be saved. He thinks about the person who says, well, I don't even believe the Bible's true. 
and he speaks to that person and says, well, even if you don't believe the Bible is true, you know down in your heart of hearts that there is a God. And, and even if you're suppressing that knowledge, you know there's a God. And he says, so you need the gospel too. And then he speaks to the moral person who thinks that they're, they're good without uh, God. And he says, well, you can't be good enough because God doesn't grade on a curve and we've all fallen short. And then finally he speaks to even the religious person who says, well, I'm good with God because you know I've been baptized or I did this religious ritual or I know what the Bible says. And he says, no, 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 none of those things can save you in and of themselves. Only Jesus can save you. And so this coming Sunday, we are going to move into one of the greatest passages in the Bible. It's the end of Romans chapter 3 where he, he kind of transitions from talking about how people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God with these two wonderful words, some of the most beautiful words in the Bible, and those are the words, but now. It's true, everyone's fallen short, but now. The righteousness of God is revealed from heaven, and it is received by faith. And it's just a glorious, beautiful presentation of the good news of the gospel. And so if you're in the Longmont area, we'd love to have you join us uh, for worship at Whitefields Community Church. You can find more information, directions, all that good stuff at whitefieldschurch.com. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me here on Grace FM every weekday. Life in the Field is the name of our, our radio program. And what that means is uh, life in the mission field, God's mission field for which he gave his son and, and which he's committed to in love. So you can hear me every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So weekdays at 2.30 and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on Grace FM. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. We have open lines right now. It's always a great time at the beginning of the show to call in if you want to get on the air with your question or with your prayer request. You can also text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336. Three six zero eight nine seven. I want to tell you a cool thing that's coming up that I'm a part of um, is this thing called the Expositors Collective. So Expositors Collective, and this is kind of a a new initiative that uh, some of us pastors uh, throughout the country really are involved in. And the focus of this is to raise up the next generation of expository Bible preachers. And so uh, our first event was held in March in California, but our next event is going to be here in Colorado, in Aurora, Colorado, on July 20th and 21st, uh, 2018. So this is going to be a two-day interactive seminar for young men and women ages 18 to 34 who feel a calling or a desire to teach and preach the Word of God and would like to receive instruction and ongoing mentorship in that area. So if that's you or if that's somebody you know, uh, please uh, check it, check out this event, and we hope that you'll come. We can only take the first 150 uh, because of our venue, and also because we want to we want to keep it focused not just on a big crowd, but on mentorship and group work together. So the dates for this are July 20th and 21st, and it's going to be held at Calvary Aurora. So it's going to be uh, Calvary Aurora who hosts this radio station. They're going to be hosting it, and we have people coming in for this who are already s starting to sign up all the way from Nevada and and all the way to Minnesota. So this is kind of a regional thing, and again, the the focus of this is some of us pastors are getting together, and um, we have some local pastors who are going to be involved, and some pastors from other parts of the country who are coming in. And the focus is it's it's about a movement to raise up a new generation of Christ-centered expository preachers um, who preach the Bible and understand how to do it well in a way that honors God and glorifies Christ uh, and and 
teaches what's in the word and, and lifts up the gospel. So if that's something you'd be interested in, check out our website. It's expositorscollective.com. It's expositorscollective.com. You can sign up there. Again, space is limited, so you're going to want to sign up soon if that's something that you are interested in. Let's uh, give you those numbers again to call. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. the call-in number, and the text number is 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Let's go to our text line and see what texts have come in so far. Um, so this person says, uh, the Bible talks about confession but not about apology is there a difference um well let's see here i i do think that apologizing for what you've done is uh is a is a biblical thing let's put that under the category of humility um okay so if you if you don't see apology under the category of confession which it does so the bible would say uh confess your sins one to another uh meaning admit your sins, confess them. But I think with humility, too, humility means that uh, you admit when you're wrong and you apologize, you ask for forgiveness. And I think that concept of asking for forgiveness of other people who you've sinned against uh, is inherent in the sense that uh, other people forgive you, you ask God to forgive you, and so you should be asking other people to forgive you, too, when you sin. So I think that falls into the category of humility. And I do think that uh, the Bible would encourage us to humble ourselves, not only before God, but we should humble ourselves in the eyes of other people, too. Um, it says that if we humble ourselves, God will exalt us in due time. And so we should not be so proud as to uh, withhold an apology, especially when it's due. So I hope that answers your question. The Bible talks about confession, but does it talk about apology? I would say, yeah, apology is implied in this idea of confession and in the idea of humility. So I hope that answers your question. The number to call is 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is the show where you can call in with your Bible questions and your prayer requests. We'd love to answer those for you on the air and pray for you. Again, the number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. See, we have another uh, person texting who asks, can we change the outcome of when we die by the choices we make? Or does God have those dates set because he is the one who gives and takes life? This gets into this question of um, predestination and how does, God, how does time, you know, can things change over time? And um, here's, I, I talked about this a lot on the show last Monday. And... Um, Here's really the, the difficulty in answering this question is that we experience time in a linear fashion, meaning we experience one moment to the next, whereas God, as God, is outside of time, right? So he sees the beginning from the end. He knows what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. And sometimes that creates a lot of difficulties for us in understanding. Like last week, all the questions on the, on the call-in show were about people asking, okay, well, does God choose me or you know, the Bible says that God chooses me, but it also says that I have to choose God. And how does that work? Which one happens first? And our point is that, well, it's really hard for us to answer that question because the Bible doesn't um, give us, it, it, well, it, it explains that we see things linearly. So in our understanding of time and everything, yes, we must choose God. It, in God's understanding, he's outside of time. 
And so that's why it doesn't uh, fit in the same paradigm. I've explained it to my kids this way, that, you know, if you're standing on the street and you're watching a parade go by, you see, uh, you can only see a small window, right? Like you can look down the street in each of the, either direction and you can see what's right in front of you. So you can see a little bit behind and a little bit ahead and what's immediately ahead of you, but you see each float or each part of the parade go by you one at a time. But you can imagine if you were up in a blimp and you had an aerial view and you were high enough up, you could actually see at one moment everything that was going to happen. You could see the beginning of the parade and the end of the parade and the middle of the parade and uh, what's before and after the parade. And I know this isn't a perfect analogy, but I think it is a, a decent one in the sense that God can see everything because he's outside of time, whereas we, it's like we're standing on the street watching the parade go by one thing at a time. So there is actually, to answer your question, again, I'll, I'll remind the, our listeners of the question, can we change the outcome of when we die by the choices we make, or does God have those dates set because he is the one who gives and takes life? Um, there's actually an instance of this in the Bible. There's a guy named uh, Hezekiah, and he asked that his life would be extended, and it was. And so the question is, well, did God actually extend his life, or did God already know that he was going to ask that question and then extended his life? And, you know, the date of Hezekiah's death was already known to God, and nothing really changed, only Hezekiah's perception of that. I would say, yeah, I think that is true, that probably God knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that Hezekiah was going to ask. He knew that he was going to say yes. And, he, and really, from Hezekiah's perspective, it changed, but from God's perspective, it didn't. Um, you know, on the other hand, I wouldn't encourage you to go out and, and use this as an excuse to do something foolish, right? Like, if you go out and you do something foolish and you die— I don't think that you can just say, well, I guess God just wanted me to die because I jumped out of that airplane without my parachute on. Uh, I think that there is within this some level of responsibility that we have. And this is also related to that question of we choose God and God chooses us. And uh, we still have a responsibility in spite of God's sovereignty and in spite of God's sovereign choice. The two are not exclusive of each other. So I hope that answers your question. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. And the text number is 720-336-0897. You can text us, send in your prayer requests and questions uh, via text at 720-336-0897. The producers reminded me that, yes, we should always look both ways before we cross the street. If you fail to do that or if you just do something, like I said, foolish, uh, I don't think that you should blame God for that. I think that uh, you still bear that responsibility in yourself. And, and that's not mutually exclusive from God's sovereignty. So let's go to Jerry in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Jerry. How's it going? Going great. What's up? So I had a question about uh, a new translation of the Bible that I I went to a church this weekend, and they were using uh, the Passion Translation. Okay. Uh, I was wondering if that's a reliable translation or if it's like a thought-for-thought -thought translation or word-for-word -word translation. Yeah, I'm a I've actually never heard of it, but I am uh, looking it up right now. I just did a series on my blog. Um, about Bible translation. So hopefully I can I can give you some thoughts on this, but I'm I'm looking for more information on this. Looks like uh it's primarily the work of a single author named Brian Simmons. 
and he has uh, it says he has a long track record as a passionate and successful missionary and evangelist. Um, part of his success has been in developing translations of the Bible for people uh, with no Bibles in their own language. However, uh, any translation completed by a single person raises many questions of accountability. Um, so the Passion Translation of the Bible not only reflects Simmons' uh, new apostolic Reformation theology, but it appears to be deliberately written in order to promote it. So uh, I got to tell you, that gives me some red flags. Now, as far as uh, what the new apostolic Reformation is, I would encourage you to look into that. But popular teachers who are associated with that are guys who are really uh, known for being more on the charismatic side, like uh, so C. Peter Wagner and Rick Joyner, Kim Clement, people like that are, are part of this new apostolic reformation. Uh, what they do is that they they believe that God has reinstated the idea of uh, fivefold ministry of the church, including um, you know, evangelists and apostles. And really, that's the big focus, because I don't think anybody uh, ever doubted that it, the office of evangelist went away or the office of pastor went away. But it's really about some people have uh, this concept of, you know, reinstating the office of apostle. And that that's a whole nother question that, that I don't think we need to go into unless uh, you want to call back and talk about that. Uh, I would love to do that. But um, so I think that there are some problems with this this um, movement, the New Apostolic Reformation. Um, uh, most of the time, I'll tell you this, when I see people try to reinstate the ap apostolic office as opposed to apostolic uh, gifting or, or, or what was the spirit of the apostolic uh, ministry in the church, um, it it's always seems to be tied to some form of authority in the church. And it always seems to be uh, almost an imposition of authority, like, hey, I'm an apostle, therefore I have more authority than this other person over here uh, who might be telling you something. You know, you should listen to me uh, because my words have more uh, anointing or more uh, authority because I'm an apostle. All that to say, I, I would actually be suspicious of any translation, including the Passion Translation, which is created to um, push an agenda. Um, I'll tell you this. So... I'm going to point you to my blog. If you're interested in reading more about um, Bible translation, I've been doing a series. I did two parts. I'm going to do one more part before the series is over. And it, the whole point of this is, like, how do we make sense of Bible translation? Which Bible translation should we be using? And here's the, kind of the main point that I would, I would point out to you and anybody else. But it sounds like you already kind of get this. But I'll, I'll point this out to our, our listeners, is that, the difficulty with translation is that there, there's multiple ways to translate something. Therefore, every time you translate something, you're also interpreting the meaning of that, right? So like, for example, if you have a word like in uh, English, we have two words, faith and belief. And they mean slightly different things. But in Greek, they only have one word for both of those two ideas. And that is the word pisteo. So when you read the word pisteo in Greek, and then you want to translate that into English, you have to decide, well, is this an instance where we should use the word faith, or is it an instance where we should use the word belief? Or, or like if you're going backwards, right? Let's say you're translating from English to Greek. In English, we have one word for love, right? Like we love pizza, we love our dog, we love our wife, and we love basketball. But in, in Greek, we have uh, four words for love. And so if you say... 
I love this thing, whatever it is, the person translating has to interpret what you mean. Do you love this thing like a, like a brother loves a sister? Do you love this thing like a husband loves a wife? Do you love this thing just you have an empathetic bond for it? You know what I'm saying? So in every translation, there is always interpretation. That's why someone's theology will always come through in an interpretation. So that's why it's really important uh, that you understand kind of the background of the people translating whatever translation you come up with. And, and that's why you should always be suspect of any translation that's made by one person. I mean, I know some people uh, love the message, which I don't even believe is a translation. I would say that is a, a I would actually call that a commentary because he is telling you what he believes that the scripture means. Um, but that was made by one guy, Eugene Peterson. And so I, I wouldn't consider that like a legitimate Bible translation. It wasn't done by committee. It wasn't done with a lot of scholars involved. And um, yeah, so I would just tell you, I, I'm, I'd be pretty suspect of that translation. And I think it's unnecessary. We have plenty of great Bible translations out there. And I would also tell you, look more into this new apostolic reformation movement uh, it sounds like um, there's some, maybe some issues with it biblically. Okay. Yeah, I, I went to a new church this weekend, and they're, uh, I guess you'd say, a little more on the charismatic side. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, they were using the Passion Translation. Uh, they were going through Luke chapter 10. Yeah. And uh, it just, I mean... Sounds good, you know, but that's, you know, it's just because it's more like modern day language and stuff like that. But I'm always kind of skeptical of those because, I mean, I hear the New Living Translation is good, but I, I don't know. I just really like the New King James. But uh, they're, yeah. you know, this church, they're, like I said, they're a little more in the, like, really focused on healing and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't know. I've kind of been drawn to that thing just because I've seen the Lord heal a lot of people and stuff, but at the same time, I know that, you know, it's those people that say, don't, then you don't have enough faith, and that's why, and that's completely false, obviously. Um, but I don't know, I, I guess I was just trying out this church, and I wanted to find out if the translation they're using is accurate. I just want to be careful before going back to the church, you know, because they're right. definitely well, hey, a little me, more charismatic. Let me, let me give you some examples of some, some verses here. Um, and I'll do this real quickly, and then I'm going to let you go. But so, like, here's an example of Luke chapter 1, verse 37. In the ESV, which is the Bible I, I preach from at my church, it says, for nothing will be impossible with God. In the King James Version, it says, for nothing shall be impossible with God. In the New, uh, New International Version, NIV, it says, for no word from God will ever fail. So there, that's, that's different now. Um, but look at, check out how the Passion Translation puts it. No promise of God is empty of power, for with God there is no such thing as impossibility. So what he's doing is he's not translating the actual words, um, he's, he's translating, trying to get the sense of what the author is trying to say. But anytime you do that, that is more of an idea for idea or thought for thought translation. 
it's impossible to do that without getting your own fingerprints on it, so to say. Without having, you know, because you're not just dealing with the words. Because the words obviously say something. They say nothing is impossible with God. But he's adding something to it. He's saying no promise of God is empty of power. For with God there is no such thing as impossibility. Now those words, those ideas might be implied by saying that nothing is impossible with God. But they're not stated. And I think you are, you are messing with something very holy and sacred when you start adding to it. So I, I would actually be pretty cautious of that. Um, and uh, I, it, for me, it wouldn't sit well. I, I really think that we should take God's word as, it, as, it's, as what it says. So Absolutely. Um, here, I'm going to actually, just for a little more follow-up, um, I, I've got a thing I posted on my website, which kind of gives a, uh, it's a graph, and it shows you word-for-word word versus thought-for-thought thought translations. And so, you know, that might help you kind of see where other Bibles, you know, this one's obviously not on there because it's a very new translation, but where, where other Bibles, you know, from the NASB or King James Version, uh, NIV, NLT, like New Living Translation or the Living Bible, where those all sit on a kind of a, a continuum, which shows, you know, thought for thought versus uh, word for word. So uh, if you have the time later, go check it out at nickkady.org. So N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y, nickkady.org. And just scroll down uh, a few posts and you'll see it right there, uh, the series on making sense of Bible translations. And I explain that there and I give you a graph to kind of help you see it visually where those translations fit. So maybe that'll help you as you're looking for a good Bible translation. All right, man. Sounds good. I really appreciate your help. Awesome. Well, God bless you. Take care. You too, man. Thanks. All right. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Let's go to Patrick in Thornton, Colorado. Hey, Patrick, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you? Doing great. What's up? Okay, my question is... Um, that that they're during the tribulation, that, that people do still can still. Um, like knows already everything, like who is who is saved. Why does he let that still play out when he already knows everything already? Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, you're you're kind of cutting out on me, so I'm not sure that I got your full question. And we're uh, just a heads up that we're going to break in about one and a half minutes. So if I don't uh, answer your question fully, if you don't mind hanging on through the break, and hopefully you'll have a better signal at that point, and uh, we can hear you more clearly. But I guess your question was, uh, I heard some about the tribulation, but your other question, which I did hear clearly, is if God knows everything, like who will be saved and who will not, then what's the point of everything? Like why does He let it play out the way that He does? Um, yes. I think there are several reasons why God lets it play out. Um, again, as I was stating earlier, we experience time, we see things in a very linear fashion. And so it is very important for us to, um, to see things play out. And furthermore, I mean, you could think about it this way. If God knows that, uh, you know, that maybe you and I are going to heaven and maybe somebody else isn't, well, then why doesn't, or like, if God knows that I'm going to heaven, well, why doesn't he just kill me now and take me to heaven? Like, why, what's the point of any of this? And, and the point is that um, it is, uh, there's a drama 
to all of time that is taking place that we're involved in and that drama is meant to bring God glory. And and so the other part of this is that not everyone who God wants to save is saved yet. And that's really important. Uh, that this is God's patience and forbearance is what the Bible calls it. That God patiently waits. He has uh he knows already, right? That's called foreknowledge. He already knows what's going to happen and and who is going to uh, be saved. And yet he waits. He waits. And and that's good news for us. You know, it's kind of like Paul when he was in uh, Corinth. uh, God spoke to him and said, there's still more people in this city that I want to make my own. We can continue this conversation, but we're going to go to break right now. Uh, You're listening to Calvary Live. The number to call 303-690-3000. And we'll be back after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe there's something that's come up in your reading uh, that you'd like to discuss or something about the Bible that you'd like to talk about. We'd love to answer those questions for you and talk to you on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We have open lines again right now, so it's a great time to call in. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, Let me just take the moment right now while I have you here to invite those of you in the Longmont, Colorado area. If you are looking for a church or a place to worship, we would love to have you come and worship with us this coming Sunday or any Sunday at Whitefields Community Church, which is the church I pastor in Longmont. Uh, If you're in Longmont or in the surrounding towns, uh, come check us out. You can find more information online at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. We meet at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. It's right on the corner of Kaufman and Longs Peak, right in the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, the city park here in Longmont. And we meet there at uh, 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings to worship the Lord and study His Word. We're currently in a study of Romans right now, which is just really exciting, getting into the nuts and bolts of the gospel and really excited to get into this week's text, which is about how after seeing how all have fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, now we see what God has done to make us righteous in Christ and give us that righteousness as a gift to justify us as a by through a gift that we receive by faith. Just very exciting uh, text that we're going to be talking about. Let's go to line one. We've got Linda in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Linda, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. Hi. Oh, Linda, I got your church, and we study from the Amplified Bible. But I would prefer to to study from the King James uh, Bible, King James Version Bible study. Which one is more? Because at times I don't understand the Amplified Bible. Sure. Hey, Linda, can I ask you to turn down your radio in the background sure. there? Yeah. Sure. We're just getting some echo. We have a slight delay. Great. Great, Linda. Hey, thank you so much. 
Hey, so your question was regarding Bible translations, and um, you were saying that your church studies the Amplified Bible, but you think that it would be better to study the King James Bible, and uh, that's great. You know, um, I was talking to a caller just before the break about Bible translations, and I just did a series, I'm actually in the middle of a series, on my website, nickkady.org, about Bible translations. And so my first part was kind of like, how do Bible translations work? Where do different translations fall on this idea of thought-for-thought translations versus um, word-for-word translations? And, um, And then my second part on this post was, to answer uh, questions about the King James Bible specifically, because a lot of people um, like yourself want to read the King James Bible. What I find interesting about the Amplified Bible is that um, it's not even the most literal translation out there. And uh, I'm not exactly sure why people like the Amplified Bible. Um, One of the things that it does is it gives you many options for different words, right? Like, so if a word can be translated two or three different ways, they'll give you all of them. And so it's very difficult to read the Amplified Bible. It might be helpful as a kind of like a study tool or something that you read alongside, but as a, as a Bible that you read or even teach from, I think it's very difficult to read. Um, but as for accuracy, I think it is pretty accurate. Um, in fact, it's more literal than the King James translation. Are you still with me, Linda? In the center. Great, yeah. So, um, you know, it really comes down to what what your church wants to study. I will tell you a few things because I I saw that we had another caller um, who is not with us on the air. Uh But this person was saying that they really like the King James Bible. And the reason they like it is because of the manuscripts that were used to translate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's called it's called the Textus Receptus. And I mm-hmm. could get into all the details about that, but I'll tell you my personal opinion on this. Is that I actually don't think the Textus Receptus is the best um, collection of of Greek New Testament manuscripts that exists. Uh-huh. And there are a few reasons for that. Uh, one of them is, and this is the main reason, that since the Textus Receptus was put together, it was put together in the 1500s, early 1500s, by one man named Erasmus, Deri- uh, I can't pronounce his last name, but anyways, this guy named Erasmus of Rotterdam. That's how he's generally known. Uh-huh. Erasmus of Rotterdam. Mm-hmm. And he was a Catholic priest, and he was a humanist, and he was very loyal to the Pope, but he uh, was you know, an uh, early Enlightenment thinker, let's put it that way. And the whole point is, he said, let's get back to the original manuscript. So he you know, did some really amazing work, and he went around the world, and he found Greek manuscripts, and the oldest Greek manuscripts that he could find, and he put them all together and created a Greek New Testament, and that Greek New Testament was called the Textus Receptus, which just means the received text. Uh-huh. And, um, and you know, that was an amazing thing that he did, and a really great thing, and a very accurate thing for the most part. Um, but it's been over 500 years. Well, it's yeah. been about 500 years, almost exactly, since about 510 years, since uh, the the Textus Receptus was assembled by Erasmus of Rotterdam. Uh-huh. And, um, and since that time, we have actually found older uh, Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. It's mm-hmm. been 500 years, you know, and, and if you think about it, archaeology is a relatively new science or practice in the last couple hundred years. So as we've done more and more archaeology, uh-huh. we've discovered older and older manuscripts uh-huh. And here's what here's what it comes to. Some people don't like 
uh, some translations of the Bible because they feel that those newer translations, let's say, like the NIV or the ESV, uh-huh. le- leave out certain verses. Oh, okay. But, I've never read those two Bibles that you just mentioned. Yeah, well, it would actually probably be true of the Amplified Bible as well. Okay, so that, because uh, my pastor prefers for us to read from the from the Amplified Bible, so... On Sundays when I go to church, that's what I do. But when I don't understand the scriptures, I'll go back and to the King James, and the, the words are way, way different in the King James version. Yeah, and so I'll say something about that real quick. It's not that la- it's not that the Bible changes; it's that language changes. Yes. Like, oh, yes. Okay. So I understand that now. We we don't speak the way that Shakespeare spoke today. Mm-hmm. People at that time, did you know that the King James was originally rejected by oh. many people because they said that it was too easy to understand? Mm-hmm. I've been trying to, to study from the New, Kings, the new uh, King James Version, and it's kind of hard for me too, but then I'll go back in the bottom to see what the Scripture meant. That's what I'm doing now. But mm. I would prefer to go to the Amplified Bible because that's what our pastor requested that we read from in the church. Yeah, I'll just tell you, I think the Amplified Bible is good. It's not my favorite because I just think it's hard to read. But uh, I think also the New King James is a very good Bible. Okay. Um, So I think you're good either way. You you go with whichever one you prefer. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, God bless you. Uh, For those of you who are listening, I'll just finish one other thought I had on the uh, King James Bible, and that is that... uh, you know, one of the criticisms, like we had a, a person who texted in and said that they don't like the NIV because the NIV, um, the NIV takes out a word. So the, the, they mentioned a verse specifically, Hebrews chapter 11, where it says that, um, let me pull that up real quick and I'll, I'll read it to you exactly how it says. So here's how Hebrews 11 reads in the, uh, Hebrews 11, 6 is how it reads in the, the King James Version. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he, the meaning God, for he that comes, cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And this person said, well, if you read the NIV, it actually leaves out the word diligently. It just says he's a rewarder of those who seek him. But, but here's the thing that I would tell you. Here's the big idea, and then I'll give you an example of it, is that Actually, what a lot of people who would say is that the King James and the Textus Receptus actually adds words to the Bible, which were not in the original manuscripts. And that's, that's probably true. There's a lot of evidence of that. And actually, the King James Version itself acknowledges that. And the way that it does that is by putting those, um, those words in italics. But again, what I was saying to an earlier uh, caller was that Every translation is inevitably an interpretation. So, as Christians, our our um, you know fidelity or our faithfulness, you know, our adherence is to the Bible in its original manuscripts and its original languages. But of course, we don't um, speak uh, those languages. Most of us, uh, I, I studied them in seminary, and so uh, I actually pulled up a Greek. Uh, version of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And here's what's really interesting. The Greek version does not add the word diligently. It is the word exeteo, exeteo, which means to seek. But it implies the idea of not just seeking like ho-hum, I hope I find it, but if I don't, who cares? It, It means to diligently seek something. So the word diligently is implied, but it's actually not in the text. 
And so that's where this idea of, of getting into, um, getting into uh, interpretation versus translation. Translation is when you go word for word, and interpretation is when you try to interpret what the person meant. So they say, you know, the text literally says, uh, God is a rewarder of those who seek him, but the person who reads it says, yeah, but this word seek implies... Um, implies something more than just looking for something, it implies diligently looking for something. So in this case, I don't think that the NIV translation is wrong by leaving out the word um, diligently. In fact, it's, it's maybe more accurate um, in that sense. The King James adds the word diligently. Are they wrong? No, they're, they're just trying to help you understand fully what the text is saying. So I hope that answers that. Um, but again, the King James actually does uh, mean uh, what the King James does add words that were not in probably not in the original manuscripts. And uh, it actually admits that fact. So if you notice, there are words that are italicized in the uh, King James Version and the New King James Version. And what that um, alludes to is that those words were not in the original manuscripts, but were probably added later. So hope that answers your questions. If you have more questions about Bible translations, I'd love to talk to you uh, about that on the air. We now have open lines. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. So the producer is asking me uh, about Hungarian. So yeah, some of you may not know this, that I am... Uh, Bilingual. I speak Hungarian fluently. So if there's any Hungarian speakers out there, then Udvuslam. Um, I say hello to you all and um, give me a call. But we got to speak in English here on the radio, okay? And uh, yeah, so I lived in Hungary for 10 years. I was a missionary over there and church planter. And yeah, I'm fluent in Hungarian. And you experience this anytime when you go back and forth between Hungarian and English. So I work as an interpreter. I actually sometimes work here in Colorado as an interpreter, kind of moonlight as an interpreter, just because it's fun and, and uh, easy work. So I... Um, I, yeah, and so, you know, you'll have to go back and forth uh, between those languages. And anytime you do that, as an interpreter or translator, you always find yourself uh, with this tension of, well, I could say the exact thing that that person said, but, you know, if they use a colloquialism or um, an idiom, you actually have to interpret those. Like, so I gave an example of this on, in my blog post that I mentioned to you earlier. If, for those of you interested, I, I've been doing a series on my blog about Bible translation. You can check it out. Uh, the address is nickkady.org. That's nickkady.org. So it's N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y.org. And, uh, and I mentioned this example on there about how in Hungarian there's this uh, phrase, which literally means a cat in a bag. Now, but a cat in a bag, what that means is that you kind of pulled a fast one on someone. But again, uh, we have a saying in English, which is uh, to not let the cat out of the bag, which means to tell somebody something too early. But that means something very different than the Hungarian phrase, uh, a cat in a bag. So my point is this, that in order to help somebody understand what that is, you have to interpret it. And how this applies to Bible translation is that every translation inevitably involves some interpretation, meaning trying to explain what the author probably meant. And for that reason, you know, that's why we have so many different translations. The other reason is because language changes over time, even though the Bible doesn't. Uh, the best thing for all of us would be if we could just read the Greek and Hebrew manuscripts of the Bible. Um, but of course, 
that is no easy task. So that's why we have translations. And most of your modern mainline, uh, mainstream translations are going to be really good. My, my favorites, just for those who are interested, are the NASB. That's maybe my favorite. Uh, very literal. Uh, the next would be the ESV and then uh, New King James. So hope that answers any questions about Bible translations. But if you have more, we'd love to talk to you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you could text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. We have a text message from someone in Greeley, Colorado, who asked us to pray for an event going on in Greeley called Pray for Our Enemies. So I don't know much about this, but they said that they're trying to uh, get some traction with this event and praying that it goes well. And it looks like they have a Facebook page they're trying to start called Colorado Needs Christ. So let's go ahead and pray for this event. I think that praying for our enemies is, man, that's a great thing. That's what Jesus told us to do. So let's do that and we'll pray for this event going on in Greeley, Colorado. Heavenly Father, we pray for this event and this person who texted in organizing this event called Pray for Our Enemies. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this. I pray that it would just be something that honors you and something that brings you glory, but also maybe something that opens doors. Because we know that uh, so many people, uh, Lord, your word says that sometimes the way that we act causes people to blaspheme you. But Lord, how great would it be if we could act in such a way, according to your word, that causes people to turn to you. So I pray that you would bless this um, event in Greeley, this praying for our enemies. I pray, Lord, if it's your will, that uh, churches and Christians would hear about it and get on board. And I do pray, Lord, that it would be a bright and shining light. And I'm re remembering, Lord, what you said, Jesus, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, where you said, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And I pray that that would be the case with this event as well. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. This person uh, writes in a text message again. Oh, by the way, the number to call, uh, we have about 12 minutes left in the show, so we still have time for a few calls if you'd like to call in. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. So one person uh, on the topic of Bible translation uh, texts in and says, why do you like the ESV better than the New King James Version? I think I answered that a little bit um, as far as the manuscripts. I don't have a whole lot of trust in the Textus Receptus because I believe that we found a better manuscripts in the last 500 years as uh, archaeology has been done and other studies have been done. So that's why I prefer it. But also, if you look at that, I mentioned that on my blog, nickkady.org. I've been doing a series about Bible translation. And on there, I have a graph that I found. I didn't make the graph. I found it somewhere else. But it's a graph that's, that you can find pretty easily on the internet. Of um, It shows a continuum between you know word-for-word -word translations on the left going over to the right where you have thought-for-thought -thought translations. And so on the far left is interlinear, where you actually have the text and the words explained. It's, you almost can't even read it. That's how uh, literal it is. And the Amplified Bible's over there. The NASB is over there. And the ESV. So the ESV is extremely literal. And that's the reason I like it. It's actually more of a literal translation than the King James and the New King James. So that's why I prefer it. So hope that answers your question. 
You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got 10 minutes left in the show. We'd love to hear from you still. If you have a question, you can still call in. The number is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Linda in Colorado. Hi, Linda. Hey, hi, thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. What's up? Well, I guess I'm looking for some advice. Um, I have a friend who's struggling. She has a stepfather that's going to be released after doing five years in jail for child pornography. Um, Mm. And, you know, and it was just the love of our enemies. I think the issue is that he's not taking any accountability for it, and she's totally cutting him off. And I don't know, when we were talking about it, my heart just felt like, okay, there's got to be somewhere to get him some help or something, but if he's not going to take accountability, and then I think about the other day you had a show, you were talking about grandparents and things like that, so um, I did call in that day, but you guys were right on the line and uh, wrapping up the show, so I told them I'd call back, so I'm calling back to see if there's any scripture that I can lead her to or have her pass on to him, or I'm just not real sure how to help her with her stress and anxiety about this because she has two children. Obviously she doesn't want them around him. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, what, what's your take on something like that? Yeah. So I guess my, I would want to make sure that, that she understands and that any of our listeners understand that there's a difference between uh, forgiveness and trust. And I think that you can forgive somebody, but trust is something uh, and which uh, falls in the category of wisdom. And so I I think, yeah, I think that the Bible encourages us to use wisdom. There are entire books. In fact, there's entire genre of texts in the Bible called wisdom literature. And I would just really encourage your friend that, hey, wisdom is from God. In fact, I mean, if you look at Proverbs chapter 8, I'm not sure that this is going to be like a proof text that you can point her to to give her some uh, help in this. But just the concept is this. Proverbs chapter 8 describes Jesus as God's wisdom personified. And, and right. what that means for us is that wisdom is from God, and God wants us to use wisdom. And in fact, he writes entire books about how to be wise and how to be godly. And, and so wisdom is from God. Jesus himself is a personification of the wisdom of God. And, um, and we should use wisdom. And is it wise to let somebody who is unrepentant about child pornography use to be near your small children? I don't think that's wise. Um, no, absolutely not. And I, I also don't um, think that go? that's separate from it, forgiveness. I think you can absolutely forgive somebody and yet say, I'm going to have boundaries. So. Right. And it goes a little deeper because apparently her mother is totally dependent on this young man who's a pastor and everything is in his name, the home, and the set. So this is going to mean cutting her mom off as well from the grandchildren. But. Again, the reason it touches my heart is I'm former law enforcement, and for seven years I just moved to Colorado. For seven years back in New Mexico, I taught a class on wounded heart, which is for adult victims of sexual molestation. So I can't really – it's hard for me not to be biased as far as – so I just want to make sure that I'm giving her the right, uh, I don't know, advice, path, and I know that's what she's looking for, and I don't really have it to give her. Right. And I got to also tell you that I think that what here's another thing that the Bible says that repentance shows itself in actions. Okay, so uh, if he's truly repentant, it will show itself in his actions. And if he's not repentant, then, you know, it's it's very I I heard one pastor put it this way. You know, when it comes the pastor's job is to protect the flock from wolves. Now, we're not to protect the flock from um, 
goats, right? So goats in the Bible is a picture of people who are not um, Christians. They're not saved, but they're not dangerous. They're not wolves. Now, but we are supposed to watch out for wolves, right? And so this pastor put it this way. He said, um, you know, our job is to shoot the wolves, but not the goats. And I'm not saying anybody should. Uh, I, obviously, that's a little <laughs> bit of hyperbole there. But I just, my point is this, that um, you have to determine, okay, is this person actually uh, a danger? And if they are, then we should absolutely use wisdom. And I'll give you this a bit of example, is that a lot of the Old Testament prophets, um, God spoke through them and he, he was, he was, scolding the people of Israel because they failed to protect those who were weakest and vulnerable amongst them. And the point right. is this, that they're called, it's actually called in theological terms, it's called the quartet of the vulnerable. And so these would be widows, orphans, the poor and immigrants. But you could add into that anybody else. Like in our society, I think, you know, single moms, uh, like you mentioned, there, this, mm -hmm. there's this thing with tied up with the legal aspect with this person. Um, you know, then there are, um, you know, children, are, we, our job is God wants us to protect those who can't protect themselves. And so she should absolutely, absolutely take every precaution. And at the same time, she, here's the other thing I would tell this person. She doesn't have to be his savior. Um, Jesus needs to be a savior, but also there are a lot of other people and organizations who can step in and help him uh, who don't have small children. Right. I think the, the best advice I've given her so far is, like, maybe talk to your mom without setting some boundaries about taking him back in the first place, like maybe getting some counseling or some help, because I know there's classes in the church and stuff for that. But I think her stress is really lying with, this is going to end her relationship with her mom. I don't think she has too much of an issue with cutting him off. I, I think the, the anxiety is coming from, you know, I'm going to lose my mom, and my yeah. kids are going to lose their grandmother. And these kids aren't, you know, they're 14 and 16, and it's just going to throw a whole monkey wrench into the whole thing yeah. there. Well, in that case, my advice to her would be to have a mediated discussion with her mom. I mean, I do this as a pastor here at church. You know, well, I'll do I've even done it with uh, together with other pastors from other churches. We do mediated discussions where we get people in the same room and, and you have a pastor there to mediate or a counselor there to mediate and uh, and to help each other see eye to eye um, without emotions getting involved just started attending the church I just moved away from, and her and her husband um, just left the Mormon religion and have come to, and I'm like, oh, I got to be really careful, you know, what I, sure. I say and what advice I give her, because I don't want to steer her in any wrong direction. So, okay, well, let me let you go, and I'm going to pray for this. probably would be willing to do that. Great. I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to pray for you uh, as you go. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for Linda and this, this situation with the friend and the, the family involved there. Lord, I pray for so much wisdom. I pray that there this uh, idea of a media discussion, Lord, if that's what you want to happen, I pray it would go well and that your spirit would be uh, there with the, the bond of peace. And, uh, and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Okay, we have time for about one more call. Uh, let's go to... Uh, Cheryl in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, how are you? Doing well. What's up? Um, my question is um, the part of the Bible, and I can't think of uh, the chapter or the verse that states that Jesus set the captives free. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter had a question to me about did Jesus go to hell and set people free? Yeah, okay, so um, I have two and a half minutes to answer this, so I'm going to give you my best shot at answering this, and then I'll let you go. So um, 
the Apostles' Creed actually states that uh, Jesus descended into hell. And so it, it has been a Christian belief, uh, a Christian understanding of the Bible, that Jesus did, in fact, uh, go into hell. But that needs to be explained. Let me explain what that means. Uh, read up on this. I'm going to give you a text to read. Read Luke chapter 16. Okay. And what you're going to find in uh, Luke chapter 16 is a time when Jesus ex- kind of give, tells a parable. What's a, it's kind of a story. I don't know if it's truly a parable. It's a story about a rich man uh, and Lazarus. And so Lazarus is this guy who dies, and he, he's, he loves the Lord, and he goes to a place called Abraham's bosom. And then there's this other guy, who, the rich man who dies, and he's godless, and he goes to Hades. Right. And so here's how I describe it. Before Jesus was uh, died and resurrected and, you know, uh, to be our Savior and save us from our sins, um, Jesus, people who died went to a place called, the Bible calls it Sheol. And Sheol is the dwelling place of the dead. And that means the dead who died in faith and the dead who died apart from faith. And in Sheol, as this you know, Luke 16 makes it really clear. There's a division between uh, the Abraham's bosom and and Hades, which is the place of suffering. And so what happened is that, you know, those people in Abraham's bosom were waiting, I guess you say a holding tank or a waiting room for them as they waited for uh, Jesus to uh, atone for their sins and to uh, justify them. And so like people like Abraham, the Bible says that Abraham died in faith and that Abraham was saved. Moses, you know, these people died in faith and they had faith and God declared them righteous. Uh-huh. And, and so those people went to Abraham's bosom. Jesus, therefore, went to Abraham's bosom and released those people uh, and took them to heaven. I got to let you go because we reached the end of our show. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Thanks for tuning in today and tune in every day for Calvary Live from 4 to 5 p.m. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.